This is the No More Wasted Days podcast, and we're your hosts, Sarah Kaufman Bradstreet and Heather PG. Grab your favorite NA drink and listen as we share vulnerable stories so you never feel alone on your alcohol-free journey. And gain insights from us as we break down our most used tips and strategies that have kept us alcohol-free. It's time to break free from wasting any more of your days to the drinking blackout hangover cycle. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the No More Wasted Days podcast. I'm your host, Sarah. And I'm Heather. And we are so excited to be bringing you another episode. We just wanted to remind you, if you can take 30 seconds to hop in and give us a five-star rating and review, it helps us tremendously with this podcast and gets it out to more people so they can get this information too. So now we're going to dive in today's topic, which is all about sex and hormones and all of the love feels after you quit drinking, which is a, it's like a hot topic, but people don't want to talk about it because it can be a little bit embarrassing. It can have shame or guilt associated with it because of possibly how we were brought up. I'm talking about me right now, (laughs) but we're going to try to dive into it and be as open as both of us want to be on this topic. So I'm going to kick it off, but Heather, are you ready to dive into this topic? Are you a little anxious about it? How are you feeling? I am ready and anxious, but it's all good. Okay, well, I won't ask you any too personal questions. We'll keep it. I think when people start hearing about sex and sobriety, they think we're going to be talking all about the physical sex, and that's really not everything we're going to dive into. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But really, we're going to dive into like if it's not flowing the way you were expecting it to flow after you quit drinking, we're going to give you some tips and tricks to help all of that start happening. Because if you're in a committed relationship and you've recently quit drinking, you might find out that it's kind of awkward. All of a sudden, you're with this partner that you've been with for so long, but now you've taken something off the table that lowered your inhibitions and you're kind of like, oh my gosh, who am I? How do I do this thing? So for me, as a drinker, I had a really low sex drive. And I thought that it was because I was in my late 30s, because we had two kids, because I was just aging and I was really busy. And I talked to my doctor about it finally. I finally got gutsy enough because I was like, oh my gosh, I have zero interest in sex and I feel like this isn't normal. One, I had one doctor tell me, well, sometimes you just have to do it when you don't want to. And I was like, I feel like that was the worst advice I've ever been given. Like, I remember leaving Mm -hmm. that doctor appointment being like, that was just terrible advice. That's that can't be the answer. I feel like there's something more. And then I talked to another doctor and her advice basically was we can put you back on birth control with a higher testosterone level in it. And I was like, sure, why not? And I had been off birth control because my husband had had a vasectomy years ago. And I was all excited about that because I was like, oh, my gosh, my body's finally going to be a body on its own and not have to be controlled by this pill. But I was like, "Okay, if this might help, then we'll see. It didn't help at all. There was no difference. There was nothing. And I was trying all the little things that magazines tell you to do and all this stuff. But then I quit drinking. And oh, my God, another problem solved because I quit drinking. I always say quitting drinking won't solve all your problems. But it'll solve like a ton of them. And it will suddenly you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm living life in full bloom. And why would this even happen when you quit drinking? That was kind of my thing. Like, why is it 
so good finally again? Why do I feel so in my own self again? And one real reason is you're not numbing yourself with alcohol. Forever, I thought that to get in the mood, I needed a little bit of wine, but it never worked. A lot of times I would have a little bit of wine and it turned into a lot of wine. And then I wanted nothing to do with that. And I also would bicker with my husband. And then who wants to who wants to have any sexy time with their husband after they've been fighting over like putting the sponge in the sink? Like it's just like doesn't happen and it doesn't flow. And finally, I wasn't having those little fights with my husband anymore. I was actually talking to him like a rational human being. And all of my senses were working and not being numbed. I also had more energy, and that means you have a little bit more to give to your spouse, and it was just a great thing. I was kind of like, oh my gosh, I like this again. I like my husband again. I am sexually attracted to him again. I hate to say that just because it paints a picture like I wasn't, and that's not really it. The love was still there, definitely, when we were drinkers. It was just a little different, and this part of me was just very numbed out and not working correctly. So what has your experience been on what you would like to share on this topic? Because I know Heather doesn't want to be maybe as open and out there with it. Yeah, I think going back to what you say, like, you know, when your senses are working, like you have more energy, your sleep is better, and you can discover what you really enjoy and maybe really discover what lights you up or what doesn't. You know, you're like you said, you're not bickering, your senses are woken up. So I think it's it's definitely a benefit for sure. Yeah, I feel like there was so much stuff with um, me and my husband or with anybody who's just been together for a long time, married or not. If you are in a long term committed relationship, you get really caught in the busyness of life. And it's really easy for that to just take over. And there's a lot of moms out there with young kids. They're touched out from their kids. They don't want to be touched by their spouse at the end of the day. Or you've been the person, like I'm the primary housework person in our family. And my husband is the primary pay the bills, do all the the fixing of the, the, the things around the house. We both have our duties. But at the end of the day, I was freaking exhausted. Like, don't hands off. Don't touch me. I've been dealing with kids. I've been dealing with kids that I taught also. And I've been cleaning and just organizing and trying to keep everything going. And I hear that that's a normal thing for so many people. But yeah, when sleep is better, when you can actually discover what you enjoy, what you don't, when you can have open conversations with your spouse because you're not drinking, it's so helpful. And both Heather and I are married. So we're talking more spousal in this, but we are going to try to dive into a little bit of what if you're not married? What if you're having to enter the sober dating scene? And we'll we'll try to talk on that just a little bit. So what if it isn't flowing? What if you're listening to this and you're like, I've actually quit drinking and none of this is true for me. So for me, I had to process some of my embarrassment over sex or the idea that my spouse would reject my advances because I had not been as open or intimate in my drinking days. And there were a lot of worries in my brain and I was just kind of overwhelmed by them. But when you quit drinking, you're given this opportunity to process all of these things. And I am going to give some tips on how I've gotten over that. But one of the huge things was dating your spouse. And I love listening to Heather talk about this because she has such fun ideas of re-getting to know your spouse and re-entering that dating game. Yeah. 
I think that if you're in a relationship, it's really cool to get to know your partner again, you know, get really curious. They make these card sets that you can get and asking questions to promote a deeper connection and have more fun conversations that are neutral and it gets you in that right hemisphere and that playful area of your brain. And I have a three-year-old. We are not nighttime go out people. So some of the things Me that... either. No, no, definitely not. But just remaking photos from fun past events, doing a movie night. It sounds so silly, but you pick one Saturday night, the other one picks the next Saturday night. And I mean, if you're anything like me, you don't remember half the movies you've seen, you know, so it's an opportunity to go back and connect that way and doing puzzles and diamond dot painting. That one's really fun. And recreating your first date, you know, minus the booze. Oh my gosh, that sounds so fun. Yeah. And just trying to, you know, get creative. Like my spouse and I play a song quiz on our Alexa. And I beat her every time and I get the most gratification out of that. So oh my gosh. Just so- I, I gotta do that because I feel like I could win that too against my husband. I'm like, yes. It's a lot of fun. And these are simple things you can do in the evening or on the weekends. They don't cost a lot of money and they're fun and they kind of get you more comfortable and kind of ready to enter more intimate territory. Yeah. And I think that's the name of the game. I think people get very wrapped up in the idea that sex is this like own thing, this standalone part that you have to work on separately. And I think there is so much little leading up to actually the big event. And it is these connecting with your partner and and just connecting in little ways. And you keep talking about diamond dot painting. I got to do that. I keep being like, oh, Heather keeps mentioning that. Some things that me and Ryan got really into after we quit drinking, we started making kombucha together, which is not a huge process. If you've ever brewed beer, it's way less intense than brewing beer and you end up with something that's good for your health so and good for your gut health. So why not try it? But it was just, it became fun for us and we got super into it. We had our juicer going, juicing cantaloupes and making cantaloupe ginger, like all this crazy flavors. And then doing things that I never wanted to do before because I was overwhelmed. I was exhausted. Like, again, cooking, like we got out the pasta maker that we had had in storage forever. And when we would have a weekend without kids, we were like, let's make homemade pasta and let's just have fun while we're doing it, not make it this stressful thing. And then we've just gotten into doing a lot of projects together. My husband and I are actually building a house together like crazy people. And we've been doing it for two and a half years. And I don't know if drinking us would have enjoyed each other as much as we've enjoyed each other during this process. We've just become a very bonded team. And there's still obviously bickering. People always want to know if we fight on the build. And we do, but really not very often. And it's become really cool to be able to see us work together and lift each other up when one of us doesn't want to do something and just go, come on, we can do this. We're going to feel so good afterwards. And then the last thing that we have recently done, as far as reconnecting with your partner, Ryan actually downloaded this app called the Paired app. And I guess you can see it on TikTok ads all the time because he was like 
TikTok made me do it, but it's called Paired App. And every day it asks you and your spouse a question. We were very into it when we first got it. And it gives you like streaks if you're answering the question. And then some of the questions are intimate. Some of them are just fun. Some of them are like, find a favorite picture of your, your spouse or your partner from the past. And you can add little things to your dating timeline. It's just a really easy and simple way to reconnect with your partner. Because even when I'm kind of like, oh, it feels like all we're talking about is the build and it's not very exciting. That's when I'll kind of be like, okay, let's bust out that paired app again. Let's start answering those questions again this week and just reconnect. And I will say that it has asked some questions about sex that make me blush, make me feel like I'm going to die. But it's nice because you just type out the answer and you send it off to your partner. And that's that. It has opened up our dialogue in that area in ways that I couldn't have just opened up on my own. I'm very like, I don't want to talk about it type thing. Like, I'll do it, but I don't want to talk about it. But it's made it so I can actually be like, okay, this is something we can talk about. And we joke more about sex now, which sounds so little, but it's actually been this huge thing for us because in the joking, we're actually opening opening up a dialogue. And I really think the Parrot app helped me do it because it's not every day where the question is like that. It's probably like one out of every 15 questions, but just those little boosts have made me be like, oh, I can answer this question. And my husband doesn't think I'm a complete weirdo. And it's like, it can just help us come together. So I highly recommend checking that app out. It is a paid thing, but if it's something where you're listening going, yeah. But I think the cards that Heather was talking about, that sounds kind of like this, a similar thing. The thing I like about the Paired app is I don't actually have to talk. I can just yeah. use, use my thumbs wanna, and type. And <laughs> I want to get that. That's a really great suggestion. Yeah, we've enjoyed it a lot. We, you know us, we went for the year subscription. Because you save a little bit of money. <laughs> I think that's If awesome. there's an app with that option, I'm taking it. Yeah. So before we dive into the next topic, I want to invite y'all to come join the Daymakers community. It's a group of folks at many stages and differences on their alcohol-free journey. There are eight total calls a month and a Telegram app that is not linked to social media. And if you feel like you need a little more individualized, you can click on the link in the show notes and check out my one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions. So you can have more support on your alcohol-free journey than just a podcast. Yeah. And what I love too is if you're a person where you're like, I can't get enough of this information or I can't hear enough of these two ladies, you get to connect with us on I think an even deeper level, I've just become friends with all of the members of the Daymakers community, and it's a cool place. So absolutely. You ready to dive into the next topic? Yeah. All right. I'm going to let Heather take this one away. All right. So we're talking about sex and relationships. I can't help but think about, you know, maybe it's hormones. So maybe. Yeah. So I have... You know, I just want to say I'm not a nurse. I'm not a doctor. I am just a woman on a podcast sharing what I know. All right. So when we're talking, thinking about hormones, just know that alcohol changes the way that your body metabolizes estrogen and alcohol can cause your estrogen levels to rise. It is proven that that gives you an increased risk for breast cancer. So just be mindful of that. And also, again, I'm not a nurse or a doctor. I'm just a 
woman who happens to be, thankfully, a breast cancer survivor. When you're looking at like pre-menopause, alcohol can affect your ovaries, cause infertility issues, hormone deficiency, lower your sex drive, as Sarah was saying earlier. And when your estrogen increases, your progesterone levels decrease. That can lead to missed or irregular periods, failure to ovulate. That was the case for me in, in many areas. Yeah. Whenever I hear that, I am always blown away that I wasn't questioned more than that with talking to two different doctors about my low sex drive and the increasing anxiety I was having around my periods. Like my PMS was so bad. It's still like not a walk in the park, but now I know. And another thing that I started doing after, after I quit drinking is because I feel like you just become more in tune with your body. I started tracking my period, something I hadn't done for years. And I just started going, oh, why am I so crabby this week? Oh, it's the week before my period. Like, that's why I always tell my husband, that's why I want to move out and pack up all my bags <laughs> and be like, see you guys later. I don't need you. <laughs> and then all of a sudden my period comes the next day and I'm like, that's right. But tracking it has helped me so much. And it has helped with the sex drive thing, too, because I know like clockwork after my period, I'm going to be ovulating. And it's like, gimme, gimme, gimme type thing. And it's just like, whoa. So that's one thing I always tell ladies, besides the effects of obviously health and our body learning to process these hormones in the correct way, not having too much estrogen. It's going to help with sex drive, too. So if that's something that you're wanting, go for it and start learning about your body. Yeah, and really advocate for yourself when you're talking to your provider and be honest. I was diagnosed with PMDD when I was like 26 or 27 and had my provider said, you know, hey, your drinking might make it worse. I mean, I probably lied on the form, right? Yeah. What's PMDD? PMS. Disorder, you know, like oh, okay. PMS on steroids, so to speak. So I encourage you to advocate for yourself and talk to your provider about these things. And if you're taking a break from alcohol or you quit, like Sarah said, track and, and keep a little journal of the improvements that you see. It takes a while for it to level out, but it definitely yeah, it does. does. It's definitely not an overnight thing. And for folks who are in menopause like me, after having a total hysterectomy at a young age, if you're taking hormone replacement therapy and you use alcohol, your estrogen levels can increase, which also increases your risk for breast cancer. And alcohol worsens the symptoms of menopause. Hot flashes, sleep issues, mood changes, it just exacerbates that. And it rises your overall body temperature and can propel you into the onset of hot flashes. So just take that for what it's worth and and try to talk to your provider about the symptoms you're experiencing. And also, women who are in menopause are already vulnerable to depression, and booze makes that worse. Good news is, I have not been a drinker since I went into menopause, and honestly cannot imagine how more anxious and hot, flashy, and red and splotchy I would be if I were still a drinker. So, yeah, I completely I completely agree with that. I love I love hearing all this information because it reiterates my path to stay alcohol free and knowing that it makes me more in tune with my own body. And I think as women, especially because that I know of the men that are listening, you can come correct us. But I just don't think they go through some big change in their life like we do in our older age. 
or younger if we have to. It's a huge thing. And the hormones are bananas. And mm-hmm. I, I can kind of sense that because now I track my periods, I can tell that the time in between them starting to get a little shorter and shorter. The length of them is varying. And it was so funny because my little app was like, let's dive into why this might be happening. <laughs> it was like, it's because I'm old. <laughs> like, <laughs> Right. I know why it's happening. We don't need to talk. I think I'm entering perimenopause. But it's cool because now I know. Because when I was a yeah. drinker, I was like, oh, I think I must be having perimenopause. Is that something somebody even has in their late 30s? And I remember mentioning that to a doctor and they were like, no, that's not something. And I was just like, it's again to the, I totally lied about how much I was drinking on my forms. But never did they ask, how much are you drinking? Because I think even if I would have been more pushed at an appointment, and I don't know, maybe they're not allowed to ask those pushing questions, but maybe if I would have been more pushed, I would have been more honest or saying, hey, alcohol could be a factor into this. Mm -hmm. But just knowing that it could increase my risk of hot flashes and mood changes, like that's enough for me because I already feel like I'm riding a a good little roller coaster of emotions every month. But it's cool to be more empowered and more in control of it. Definitely. One other tip on that, anybody that's listening, like if you go to the doctor and get your progesterone and estrogen and testosterone tested, then you know what your baseline is so that if you ever need hormone replacement therapy in the future, they can dose you correctly so you don't experience such a dip when you do hit the perimenopause or menopause phase. So, Well, that's cool. That's just a tip. And those are things that I feel like People don't even think about as far as being an advocate for yourself. Like it's hard to even know the questions to ask when you're in these hormone imbalances, low sex drive, thinking you're entering menopause, knowing all this is super empowering. And if you're a younger listener and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm worlds away from that, I cannot stress how much tracking my period has helped me. And I have a younger daughter and I got her on the app right away. I was just like, you're going to need this at some point. And we can have serious conversations about how you feel throughout the month. And I think that's a really cool thing that my mom wasn't able to give me, probably because it just wasn't something that was talked about as much back then. Yeah, there's still a lot of stigma about it. And if you're in your 20s listening, you know, definitely get them tested in their prime so that when you approach menopause, your provider knows what dosage if you can tolerate hormones or not. Yeah, for sure. So what if you're not married and you've been listening to us people who are chatting away about our long-term relationships and you're like, okay, this doesn't pertain to me, but maybe you're in the sober dating game. We do have people in the Daymakers community that are in the sober dating game and it's a conversation that everybody has really openly. And that's one thing I love. If I can't answer the question or Heather can't answer the question, There's other people in the community that can answer. So again, if you're interested in that, check out the link in the description of this of this podcast. I can never I'm always like, where am I? Am I on TikTok right now? (laughs) I'm in the podcast right now. (laughs) But check out that link. But definitely some tips for you right now is know that you can trust your instincts more now as a non-drinker. If you're entering your world of being alcohol free and you're feeling anxious about it and you're like, oh my gosh, now I won't be able to loosen up on a date. Well, I can't tell you how many dates I was on where I went on the second date and I never should have. And it was probably because the beer was talking and saying, well, this person's not that bad. They're kind of weird. They're kind of off. And I look back at it and I go, they were super weird. (laughs) 
They were yeah. super off. Like, I wish that I wouldn't have been like, yeah, give me another beer. This person's not too shabby to talk to. I think you can notice like green flags, beige flags, red flags so much more intently when you're not drinking because you're not intoxicated and you're more aware. Because you were probably in the dating game as a drinker like I was. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you have some people like I have in my past where I go, no, that was stupid. Yeah, my picker was broken for sure. Oh, God. My picker was way broken. (laughs) It's like with friends, but definitely with dating. Oh, some not terrible choices were made, but questionable choices. Mm-hmm. No, I, I feel you. And I've observed in my friendships and folks in the group, people's picker gets better when they're alcohol-free. And the clients I work with report having deeper connections and vibing on a different level because you are. It's really cool, too. I know I always joke with my husband about some of the people that I made best friends with at the bar. When we were drinking and it's like, oh my gosh, like if he would even, his picker was a little bit better as a drinker because he would sometimes be like, come on, we got to go. And I'd be like, not with my new best friend. And mm-hmm. he's like, you most certainly are not with your new best friend. <laughs> right. No one may I was calling them the wrong name or something. Oh yeah. Right. It's like, and then the next day I'd always be like, oh my God. And it was the same with dating where it was just like, there were some, some men in my past where I go. No, sober Sarah wouldn't have even indulged. It's just like, or she would have indulged and been like, I totally understand that this is not the person for me and I'm making this conscious choice. Like, I wish that that could have been the story. But another thing is, if you are in the dating game, use dating apps. I actually met my husband on a dating app before dating apps were cool. It was a little taboo. And we we were doing the whole like, do we lie to people about how we met? (laughs) But dating apps are a much more normal thing now. And you can list that you're sober on them. You can actually say, I'm an alcohol-free girl looking for blah, blah, blah. Get in your bio and be creative with it. I think that's a great suggestion. I have never dated online because I met enough crazy in real life. And it was a long time ago. I've been married a long time. So yeah, I have heard that you should wait a while after you make a major life change to like jump in a relationship. And I have heard that too. I think that is probably pretty solid advice, but of course, you know, do what you want and need to do. But it's a good opportunity to get to know yourself and know your worth and what you have to offer and what you like and what you want someone to bring to your life. Yes. I feel like it's the time you can spend on yourself, especially when you're brand new in your alcohol-free journey. It is such a gift to really get to know yourself better, to connect with yourself better. And like you said, know your worth and not mm-hmm. not go out with a stupid person who doesn't deserve you. Don't waste yeah. time on them because you can spend your time really falling in love with yourself, as cliche as it sounds. And I know that may not be the advice people want, but I know too, the more in love with myself that I am, the more in love with my husband that I am, the more in love with my kids that I am, the more that I just feel love all around when I'm really tuning into me. Definitely. All right. That's the end of our episode. We hope you enjoyed this topic and we hope you got more than you expected from this topic. If you wouldn't mind taking that 30 seconds to go give us a five-star review and tell people about this podcast, you can always take a screenshot 
Go share it in your stories and then tag our Instagram, which is nomorewastedays.pod. And then we can share it over in our stories too. And everybody can see it that way. Takes zero time. Zero time. Yeah. And make sure you check out the link in the show notes to join us over in the Daymakers community. We'd love to see you there. Welcome you with open virtual arms. And on the Instagram, if you would drop some topics that you would want us to cover, we would greatly appreciate it because these are for you. All right, guys. We will see you on the next one. Or we won't see you. I guess we'll... (laughs) I don't even know what you do on a podcast. We're just going to stick to we'll see you on the next one. 